0: minutes. We can intentionally set aside um, the worries and concerns of the day, and we can bend our hearts towards you. We can say, Lord, speak to us. Lord, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through your spirit. Speak to us through the fellowship and the encouragement and the company we provide to one another. We do this not irresponsibly, not just casting off things willy-nilly, God, but we, we set aside all the concerns of the day and of our life We place them in your hands, Father, trusting you that you're going to care for them, and we're going to clear our hearts and clear our minds and listen to your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome to Oak Ridge Community Church. So delighted that everyone is here. Again, if you're here with us uh, in person or if you're here on Zoom, hi, folks on Zoom. Everyone wave and say hi to the folks on Zoom. So happy that you guys are participating with us, and we are participating um, we're, we're leaning in, we're listening, we want to hear what God is sh- sharing with us. So um, today we're going to continue with part two of our message on, uh, this is our reforging series, the basics, the foundations of our, of our church, of Oak Ridge Community Church. This is a two-part series on our place in the body of Christ. And um, we're go- today, last week I gave some homework, and in the middle of this message we're going to pause. And then we're going to take a few minutes to um, answer those questions together, and, uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll complete the message. So just as a quick review of where we're going as a refor- reforging of Oak Ridge Community Church, uh, we ha- there's, there's several points that we've been emphasizing here. One is we, each one of us has an individual task to be saved and to rely on God, worship God. Two, another foundation is fellowship. With, with other believers here in, the, in, our, in our local body. Three, building strong families is one of our primary uh, points of strategy as a, as a local church. Three is we want to participate in the life of the body, because we are part of something larger. It's, it's, we, we are super happy with our, with, our, with our body here, but we are part of something larger that adds to our life, and we also have the ability to add to the life of uh, people that are not necessarily in this room with us. And then finally, the, the, final, the final message will be us being on mission, sharing the gospel, and the reason that we are, um, why we become Christians in the first place. So as a brief review of last week, our position in the body of Christ, we talked about two things. One is the church eternal, which consists of everyone who's trusted in Jesus Christ throughout all the ages, from the very beginning until now. That's the church eternal. It's in heaven it is permanent. It is permanent. It has a permanent job of being in fellowship with God and worshiping him. And then there's the church temporal, which is us. It's also everybody else, every other believer in Jesus Christ across the face of the earth. So the church temporal, we are flawed. We're not perfect yet. Um, but we are on mission to build his kingdom, to get to know him better, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people who are around. And we are united we are united. The church temporal is united with the church eternal through the blood of Jesus Christ. He bonds us, in, and at one point, we, all of us that trust him, we will become part of that eternal body. It's a glorious, it's a glorious vision. So last week, I uh, shared this diagram, and I'll, review, I'll re- review briefly what it is. This diagram represents some of the common aspects of all Christians. All Christians, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who trusts him, um, everyone who has acknowledged him, these are some of the common elements throughout the ages. And this, is a, this diagram was actually generated by a British historian. His name is David Beddington, Bebington, Happy to give you some references. You want to check it out. The first distinction is that we acknowledge the authority of Scripture as the foundation of knowing him. The other denominations, they add other authorities on there, but they are founded on Scripture. The second distinctive is that we honor the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is the central point of history, and it is the central thing that Scripture points to. Three, Christians recognize that we each have an individual decision to make. We have a point of conversion where we, where we, we go from not following him to following him. And fourth, the term that David Beddington used is activism, meaning that we, this, our conversion compels us to do something, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, not because we're earning God's favor, but our conversion compels us to be involved in the world around us in lots of different ways. So this is a representation of Christianity. This, I think, is an, a, a good, like, 30,000-foot view of some of the things that are important, important to us as Oak Ridge they are important to me as a believer in Jesus Christ. We are part of this. Now, well, I found this diagram interesting. It's, honestly, it's almost 50 years old now because this was published in the mid-1970s. I found this diagram interesting. And since I am an engineer, I like to tinker with things, and take it apart, put it back together, and I think we can make some improvements on this diagram. So the first thing, I want to make it a little sharper. This diagram, I've changed the word cross to resurrection, because that's more pointed. That's more pointed. I understand the point he was making with using the cross He's, he's not he's, he was he was honoring but the point of it is is we are pointing not just to the cross as a theoretical concept or as a symbol that makes us feel good or we wear around our neck but we the cross is an indication of the re, the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so to me the word resurrection is sharper than the word cross and that's what i would like to emphasize and i changed the word activism to the word oikos now activism has sort of a It can have a heavy connotation. It can mean a lot of things, whether you're in church or whether you're somewhere else. And it can have a lot of bad connotations as as well. So I changed the word oikos. So what is oikos? We've We've used that word here before for the benefit of folks that haven't heard some of these messages. Oikos is a Greek word. It means your environment. It means the area in the world that you influence. It's not just a flavor of Greek yogurt, but it is... The people, the surroundings, your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, your your students, the people that live around you, you have an oikos. Even if you're very young and you feel like you're in the house most of the time, you have an oikos. You influence people. You influence people. And if you're out of the house, if 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 you are around a lot of people, your oikos might be a little bit larger depending on how old you are or or the stage of life that you're at. If you are introverted, you have an oikos, you influence people. If you are extroverted, you have an oikos, and you influence people. So we all have an area of influence. So I changed the word activism to oikos because that is where we are are saved, we are converted, we are put into the world, and Jesus Christ wants us to exert influence in that oikos. So I made one additional change to this diagram. Took it apart, put it back together again. It was kind of static, more like a, more like an informational point um, with having that graph. And for my for my for my own personal satisfaction, I took it apart and made it into a circle. It's a cycle: Scripture, Resurrection, Conversion, Oikos. I prefer to see an active cycle of motion in my life. I I like to see that in the life of my family. I like to see that in the life of in our in our life group. I like to see that in our local body. I like to see that in larger associations. And we are in our our seasons of life change. Things change a lot sometimes. Life is in motion. It's not just a static body of knowledge. We have to make sure that our understanding of where we are in the body of Christ is not just a set of theoretical points or a doctrine which is good, and we need to have solid doctrine. But we need to make sure it's put into action. So, this is my way of putting these things into action. And it says, Scripture it says about the word itself, it is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword, not just static. So, I will want to talk about each one of these um, briefly. You could spend a lot of time talking about each one of them. But let's, the word is living and active. So, Scripture is the foundation, that's where we start that's where we start. Scripture is the Bible. It's two things in our life. One, it is revelation. It is God's truth to us. Now, we can look at a beautiful sunset or a painting or a positive interaction that we have with someone around us, and we can thank God for those things, and that's good, and those are gifts from God, and those are evidences of God's interaction with us, and His gifts to us, His love for us. But Scripture is his specific revelation to us of who he is and how he interacts with us as individuals and with the entire, all of mankind. In particular, then the sharpest point is the Scripture. Through the Scripture, we are revealed that Jesus Christ came to earth. He died. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, and he resurrected from the dead. So, Scripture is our source of revelation. This, this is the truth that we accept. It's the truth that I accept as an individual. It's the truth that I accept as a pastor of this church. It's the truth that we accept as a body of leaders of the tr- as a church. It's, a, it's, a, it's, the, it's the truth that we accept as being in the body of Christ. And the second thing is, it is our authority. So, when Scripture says something, I submit myself to Scripture. I don't bend Scripture to what I want it to be or what I want it to say, but I submit myself to it. And it's the only thing, aside from my own personal relationship with God, it's the only thing that, to which I owe ultimate allegiance is the Bible itself. It's a powerful thing, and it's the start of our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's Apart from hearing His Word, which Beth shared with us this morning. She shared all, each page of that Bible, that book that she shared is infused with his word of our need, his God's glory, our need for salvation, our need for repentance, his resurrection, the new life that he welcomes us into. All these things are in his word and point us to him. This is what we need. This is what opens our eyes to our need. It's what shows us how to find him. Second, resurrection. The resurrection is two things. One, it's miraculous. I affirm, I say, I believe Jesus Christ was dead, he rose, he was alive again because he is God, because he's powerful, because he defeated death, and because he accomplished the glory. He glorified God through this, and he saved us and brought us into a relationship with him. The resurrection is real. It happened almost 2,000 years ago. It is the central aspect of our faith. The Apostle Paul wrote and said, he acknowledged it 2,000 years ago if the resurrection is not truth. We're idiots. We're idiots. He had no problem saying it. We can rest our faith on that fact. That fact gives us confidence to face the world with love, with suffering, with sacrifice. And it gives us confidence that He will redeem us and bring us into His his presence one day. The resurrection is powerful. The resurrection is evidence that, again, like I said, Jesus defeated death, that God wins, that He will be glorified. And the Scripture also says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. Now, there's a verse... There's a verse you can think about the rest of your life and try to figure out what that means. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for our lives right now to enable us to serve, to love, to sacrifice, and to suffer if need be. The fourth point in that cycle, conversion. It's personal. It's personal, meaning that each person must choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ themselves. You cannot be born into the kingdom. You can be born into a family, you can be born into a church. Many of us were, grew up in a loving church, and that's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. But at some point in your life, you come to a point where you have to come and acknowledge your own debt of obligation to the Lord. And you make a personal decision to put your faith in Him. And you own your faith. And you say, you stop saying, This is what we do as a family. This is what we do as a life group. This is what we do as a church. We say, Jesus, this is what I do because I love you. That song we just sang a few minutes ago, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Can you, as you're singing that, can you tell that to Jesus yourself? Tell him that. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of me bowing myself. It's a personal thing. Conversion. And it's decisive. Our conversions are decisive. It changes our life. Not immediately. Doesn't mean you become Mother Teresa or St. Augustine or whatever. It's not like we all of our problems go away. that doesn't just solve our problems and remove our sinful tendencies or remove the consequences of bad decisions that I've made. But it's decisive. It changes you. When you convert, you become indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You become more sensitive to him, his presence, more sensitive to his word. You become hungry for his word. You become hungry for prayer. You become hungry for fellowship. You become willing to love, to sacrifice, and to suffer. Since the theme here, love, sacrifice, suffer. The last part we know very little of. But that's the last part. That's the oikos. That's where the rubber meets the road. This conversion, this personal conversion, this decisive time in your life leads you to do something. Not because you think it's a good idea necessarily, although it is a great idea, but you are involved in your oikos, in the circle of people that you influence, because the love of Christ compels you to do that. It's a natural thing. The love of Christ compels us. We are called as ambassadors. Jesus said springs of living water will flow out of you. What an amazing, what an amazing opportunity. What an amazing task. What an amazing mission that we have. And this mission, this calling we have to influence our oikos is to love and sacrifice and suffer. And we are, Jesus said, we are to be intentional, salt and salt in light. In a weary world, we are to be salt and light to our oikos. We are to be salt and light in your family. What would it look like for you and your family to go home today or to look up from this message and to think, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to add flavor. I'm going to add refreshment. I'm going to add a bright spot in the life of the people that I influence. Not because you just are just a wonderful person. Or well, you may be a wonderful person. But I'm doing this because God has called me to do this. I'm commissioned to do this. And I'm doing this not just because I want them to be happy. But I'm doing this because I want an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. If they don't know Jesus Christ, I want an opportunity to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. If they do know, then I want an opportunity to serve them and love them and build them up in their faith. Can you do that in an intentional way? That's what I'm called to. That's what you're called to. You're called to make an intentional choice. One verse that popped to mind as I was thinking of this, it's just a few verses down from where Jesus is. Jesus telling us, "Be salt and light." And the thing that, the thing that uh, came to mind as I was reading it says, "Jesus said, "Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven Heaven, Matthew five, sixteen, the words of Jesus, let your light shine before me in such a way. And the the thing that struck me about this verse this time, the, the phrase, the innocent little phrase of in such a way. So I I think a lot of times, like if I'm in the line at the grocery store, or I'm driving in traffic, or I'm at the gym, I, I try to be nice to people. I try to smile, I try to offer a kind word, I try not to be an idiot if I'm in traffic. i traffic. I try to make people feel good, and I'm hoping that I get a smile back. And I thought to myself, is that good enough? Am I actually accomplishing anything when I'm just nice to people? I mean, obviously I should be nice, I should be polite, I should be courteous, but am I fulfilling my calling by being nice to people? And it's like... It, It says that the goal here is our light, I'm I'm, I'm shining the light of God, you know, I'm rolling down my window at the stoplight, I'm giving someone a bottle of water or a few dollars or something like that, asking them their name. I'm shining a light. But the goal of us, the goal of us and these good works that we're doing is not to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. It's not even to meet an immediate pressing need in the life of the person, but it's to glorify your Father who's in heaven. So... I would like. I'm challenging myself, and I'm challenging you. When you do these acts of obedience, small or big, ask yourself: Am I doing this in such a way to glorify my Father who is in heaven? And to glorify my Father, it points to Him. It points to His holiness. It points to His love. It points to His mercy. It points to His Son. Are your good works being done? in such a way. So think about it. Don't beat yourself up. Some of us are inclined to be harsh. Oh man, I screwed up. Stop. Just think. If you're going to be kind, if you're going to be loving, you're going to be merciful, ask, is there another step I can take? Is there another door that he's opening? Am I I doing this in such a way as to glorify our Father who's in heaven? So, the revelation of Scripture points to the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ compels a personal decision to be saved. And our salvation results in a mission to glorify God, build His kingdom, to share His gospel, influence our oikos. This is the mission. This is my mission, which I've accepted and I need to accept freshly every day. This is the mission I'm exhorting you to consider and accept as individual believers in Jesus Christ. This is the mission that each one of your families should accept and find a way to build into your lives. This is the mission for our life groups to accept. This is the mission for Oak Ridge Community Church. And this is the mission of God's people on earth right now. So, this brings us back to our homework from last week. So, last week... We're going to take a few minutes here. We're going to break up into smaller groups. We're going to move around. We're going to refresh your, I'm going to refresh your mind on what the homework is. We asked several questions. Why is Oak Ridge Community Church necessary? For those of you who are visiting or, or Oak Ridge is not your home church, you're more than welcome. I think you can still participate fully in this exercise. Why is your church necessary, considering the immense diversity of God's people on the earth? and the immense number of churches that you could choose to go to. Why Why is Oak Ridge necessary? Why is your home church necessary? How is it building God's kingdom? What is it doing? There's a good answer to this, but I'm asking this in sort of a challenging way to make us think, because sometimes we do things out of habit, week after week, and month after month, and year after year, and if we have good habits, that's great, But sometimes we get stuck in ruts. That's one of the reasons why we're doing a reforging. With the reforging of Oak Ridge, we think there's lots of awesome things about us. We also think there's things that we need to refocus on and tune up, some things we need to change and do better, some things maybe we need to stop doing altogether because it's not necessary or doesn't advance his kingdom. It's good to to pause and ask these questions intentionally, not only as a church, but as a personal the other questions we asked last week why did you come to Oak Ridge community church or for your, if you have another home church why are you at your home church what brought you there even if it was decades ago think why why did i end up coming there and ask yourself why are you still there what keeps you there and last but not least are those reasons which go through your mind are they good enough are they good enough We shared very briefly, um, Revelation 3, 14 to 15, the angel of the church in Laodicea says, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot, I would that you were cold or hot. So, I would like to take a few minutes now, and we're going to, I'd like us to break up into small groups, not maybe three, four, five at the most. I've got some index cards. I've got some pins. I'd like to encourage you to actually stand up and go meet with someone that you don't normally talk to. So lifeliners, leaven the group. Flavor the group. If if there's members of your family, that's fine. If you want to split up into other people, that's fine. What I would encourage you to do is answer. I'll leave these questions up here. Why is Oak Ridge necessary? Why did you come? Why do you stay? Are these reasons good enough? If you have a reason, you know, it's like, oh, here's a reason. Here's a reason that I thought was good, but on second thought, I have a better reason. It's fine. It's fine. We refresh our hearts. Each day, we soften our hearts. Each day, we are fed by his word and by his spirit. Each day, we are called by Jesus. Each day, we say, yes, Jesus, confirm the vision you have for my life. It's okay to have a better answer. I have better answers in a few minutes. I shared some of my poor answers last week. And when we're done with this exercise, I'll share, I'll refresh everyone. These, are my, these were my lukewarm answers, and I have better answers, which I'm going to share with everyone after we're finished this exercise. And likewise, I encourage you, lifeliners, when you get up and walk, grab, if you would, grab some pins and some, and some note cards, take them with you in the group, pass them around. If you, if you don't know the person that you're in a group with, introduce yourself, say hello, um, write their name down on the card so you don't forget two seconds after you ask them, which is what I do. Does that make sense? So this sort of group exercise, this sort of participation, I think we're gonna, you're going to be seeing more of as we go forward. It's part of our reforging. It's part of our reforging Sunday morning to make them interactive. Now those of you who are online, special word for you. Please, fine, go, go, go get your coffee, hit the restroom, feed the dog. What do you need to do? But don't tune out. You can see these questions. You can see these questions. Answer these questions. And if anyone has a notable response, write it down on the card and give it to me. I won't promise I won't read it here from the, from the stage. But I would, really would like to see what some of the responses are that you all have. And maybe we'll find a tactful way to anonymously share some of these things in, in the future. So with that, go ahead. We'll take a we'll take a, we'll take a few minutes, maybe at least five minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Go ahead and get up, mix and match. Let's let's we'll, we'll we'll mingle here. Okay. Thank you. First of all, thank you, everybody. Thank you for taking time to think about this. The questions are were deliberately framed to be a little bit provoking. I uh, had a conversation with someone this past week, and they said um, they said they asked the question. They were answering as I was going through. Are you here because you were born into this church? Because your friends are here? And they're like, yes, 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 yes. It's like, well, that's not good enough. And it's like, oh, again, the goal is not just to punch you in the stomach or to or shock you or say the reason you're here is not good enough because the Lord may confirm. I hope He does confirm that some of the reasons that you're here, some of the reasons that you stay here, are good enough. But I'm also hoping you're willing to re-examine your life on a consistent basis. Maybe not every single day, but at least occasionally, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I here? How are you using me? What is it you're calling me to do? How am I part of this body, and how am I part of the larger body of Christ? Quick note. I often ask for feedback on our messages. I got an interesting historical note from somebody this past week about this verse in particular. Uh, The the ancient city of Laodicea is located in southwest Turkey, and it is located in between two um, well-known springs. One's hot, and one's cold. And so Bible scholars, this person pointed out to me, which I thought was a very interesting note, Bible scholars think that this verse, referencing cold and hot, it's not like cold and then you hate God and lukewarm, you're so apathetic and hot, and you're just like, you love Jesus. It's like, no, but both the cold and the hot were good things, refreshing, the refreshing cold of the springs that were on one side of the city, and the heat and utility and therapeutic action of the hot springs. So both hot and cold are good things, and the lukewarm in the middle was something that we want to be, um, be raised out of from time to time. So it's an interesting note. If anyone wants, more information on that, I will include those topics and uh, those resources in the notes that we have. And so for the person that gave me that note and that help, you know who you are, thank you very much. Appreciate, always appreciate getting some more information, especially, especially background on uh, Scripture and where it came from. So, um... We're going to conclude here. On, we're going to bring this, we're going to bring in this for a landing, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the ways that we are practically built into the body of Christ. I'm going to share some of my personal answers um, to these questions and why Oak Ridge is necessary. Oak Ridge is necessary and unique because we have an emphasis on participation, an individual participation and not consumerism. We don't come here just to see what is, what, what's being offered, but we come here because we want to be Working, we want to use our gifts. We want to be involved in God's kingdom. We want to be trained, equipped, and caught, refreshed. Served. We want to serve. We want to love, serve, and sacrifice. Each one of us. Each one of us. We want to do that. Two. We have an emphasis on healthy families. And we are designing as we reforge and as we think things think things through strategically. We are deliberately designing our our uh, our local body to be family friendly, so to speak not necessarily in content, but more in pace. We don't want to create uh, a tempo of meetings and, uh, that just wears people out and doesn't le- allow you the time to be serving, loving, and giving to your family. And three is we have a plurality model of leadership, meaning we have multiple pastors, multiple pastors who are equally, co equally responsible, accountable in the church. Co-equally accountable before Jesus Christ, before you all as a congregation, and we have the authority to lead this congregation, and we're co-equals. No, no one of us is a senior pastor. We are all submitted to one another. The men who were pastors, the other men who are pastors in this church, right now there's five, in a few months there'll be three: David DeGlow, Steve Miller, they are my pastors. And I'm submitted to them as spiritual leadership and authority in my life. And I feel the same from them. This is unique. This is unique and worth preserving and worth propagating in our church, in, our, in, in the local body. Quick refresher on my lukewarm answers that I mentioned last week. One is I like our church model. Two is I gain personal significance from my leadership role. And three, this is how I earn a living. In and of themselves, there's nothing here that can, that is negative. And uh, I take a lot of delight in it. But if I settle for this, if I settle into this without reexamining it in an intentional way, I feel like I become lukewarm. And I pray, God, that I will not become lukewarm. I'm asking him now, right this moment. And as we go through this series, God, speak to me afresh my better answers, my better answers, my homework answers. One, I'm here because I desire a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, a sense that I'm meeting him. When I pray and when I read his word and when I fellowship with you all and when I take action to love and serve and suffer in my oikos, It deepens my walk with him. It deepens my appreciation for what he did. I consider what he suffered and how he set the example for me. I am here because I desire to fulfill my calling as a shepherd to this local body. I love you guys. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited to be reforging this church with each one of you each one of you guys on Zoom, others that can't be here right now. <sighs> it's awesome. And the Lord may lead us to go in different directions in the years ahead, but he's got, us here for, he's got us here for a moment. We're here in his body. We're part of this local body. We're loving and serving and sacrificing together. And I am here because I desire to joyfully labor in the gospel in a way that expects fruit with like-minded believers. I desire to labor with you, to be encouraged by you, to be served by you, to be challenged by you, to be instructed by you, to see you use your gifts, building his kingdom and edifying my life. These are my better answers to that question of why I'm here personally. I trust that each one of you took some time the questions might have been new to you this morning. Think about it. The questions may have been new to you last week and you didn't give it much thought. Think about it. Be intentional. Be intentional, salt and light. Brief emphasis, where are we succeeding as a local body on being united um, with the larger body of Christ? Last week, I mentioned our partnership with Columbia Pregnancy Center. It's a key thing. We're going to support the Gala. We're going to continue to support them going forward into the future. Um, one of the things that I want to highlight right now, I talked a little bit about missions. One thing I want to highlight a little more broadly right now is SiCA. SiCA is uh, Southeast Church Alliance, Southeast Church Alliance, about 15 to 20 churches, about 50 to 60 pastors and leaders. and we're the northernmost church for another couple of months. Then we'll be the second most northernmost church in SiCA. Oak Ridge North will continue to be part of SICA, which is awesome. There's three or four churches in Virginia and then North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, for the most part. It's amazing, actually. It's like in, in, in the couple of years that we have basically knocked on their door and said, hey, take us in. You know, we're a couple of three churches. We want to be, we want a broader reference. It is, we, we see, I'm on the phone with some of these folks throughout the month, three or four times a month, about at least once a week. And these are men and women that, enc- that encourage us and challenge us. Just yesterday, one of the pastors from the Jacksonville Church, Andrew Roberts, many of you from Lifeline know him. He speaks to, at the conferences. He just called me up yesterday. He said, David, how are you doing? What's going on? He, he knows that, he, he, Mom, he knows that you are fighting cancer. He's praying for you and asking how our family's doing. And he just called to ask how we're doing, how he can serve me. And, uh, and I get the same thing, obviously, I, from David and Steve and Julian and Mike, they serve me in the same way. But to have that outside poke from time to time reminds me I'm something, I'm part of something bigger. There's a lot of joint youth ministries. In a few minutes here, I'm going to have Stephen come up here and share a quick note about the impact that that's had on his life. But... Our, the the youth, youth ministries that we've had between the churches and the regional, the regional churches has magnified the effect and intensified our uh, fruit as a church. Regional conferences like Faith Walkers and LT and Link, um, different men's and women's resources are available to us, and I'm, I'm, my goal is to start weaving that into our, our announcements so people know what's available. It might, might entail some driving if you want to go do something, or... Even better, we might be inviting people to come here and join, and join, join us as well. And last but not least is networking with missions. There's tons of solid missions opportunities going on in Europe. In particular, a new initiative that's happening at Evergreen is they're sending a team to the Texas border to um, take a look at what's going on with the uh, immigration crisis there. And I think you guys are thinking about doing a, a larger team maybe later in the year, which is awesome. And uh, they've invited us. Hey, if you're interested, if this is something that's near and dear to your heart, you feel like you want to be part of this, let us know. So you're you're happy to let me know, and I'll pass pass your name on. You can talk to them directly, however that makes it. But we can magnify our effect by being involved in these different um, regional networks of churches. And these are people, these are churches with similar values in terms of church model and support and encouragement and accountability. So with that, I will invite Stephen to come up and you can share for a few moments, and then we will conclude.
1: Uh, I'm Stephen, son of David. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I uh, grew up here, and when I became around middle school age, they came, went to youth group, and that was a great blessing, but we'd have these uh, retreats where we'd meet up with a church from some churches from Virginia and that was always very encouraging for me. Um, there were a lot of high schoolers and I saw them, oh they're like super cool and it gave me a, I think that really benefited me to see you don't need to go to the world to be cool or anything like that. Like It sounds like a minor thing but it, I think it made uh, Christianity more real to me and put me more on that path of devotion because I was seeing people who are farther along, learning from them, and it's like they were catching me up, but I was like 12 years old. Um, and it's cool to see that same thing repeat uh, in uh, the youth group, seeing people learn things that I learned like a month ago, and they're 12 years old. Um, um, I really have enjoyed the LTs, which are uh, conferences that stand for life training, your training uh, young Christians for the Christian life and those have always been very impactful. I, I know there have been times just our, in our youth group we've uh, been able to confess our sins to each other at that conference, be able to really have a deeper fellowship as a result of that and it's only set up for just tons of more fruit because now I know all these different people from different churches and we can work together as and if um, we ever need to move somewhere we know, oh we can land in one of these spots we already know them. Um, so it's just a few brief benefits
0: so a reforged oakridge community church will obey this verse we will let our light shine perform it in such a way that they will see our good works and they will glorify our father who's in heaven thankfully it's a simple it's a simple mission we have the power for it let's pray jesus you are awesome You are my Savior. You are our Savior. Lord, I willingly bow my heart before you, God. I willingly open my heart and my mind to allow you to examine what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. God, I ask for your refreshing vision in my life. If the answers I've given, even my new answers I put up on the screen here, are not good enough, I yield them to you. And I expect that when you give me a new vision, It will come with peace and joy and power and not a burden, not guilt. Thank you for the merciful, amazing way that you deal with me and you deal with us. Just lift up these things in Jesus' name. Amen.